the verdict. The words I'm sorry are meaningless to a woman who's been hurt, scarred, and pained. You look in her face, you see the hurt. Over time, you hope that will change. You can tell her how much you love her. You can tell her you want to make things right. But as she looks in your face and your eyes entwine, you see the consequence of your choice from that night. All that person wanted from you was to use you for their good pleasure. They got what they wanted and all they left you with was the loss of your hidden treasure. As she walks away hearing nothing you have to say, rolling her eyes in pure disgust, the disappointment is all over her face. Her tears speak. There's no more trust. She no longer believes in you. Her faith in you is gone. She tries to stick it out for a while, but unfortunately she can't weather the storm. If only she could forgive you, that would make everything okay. There's a power behind forgiveness. It will make all your mistakes go away. You wish you could turn back the hands of time. You wish that she would just listen. You would cut off both your hands if that's what it took. But instead, she's giving you a death sentence. Welcome, everyone. This is your mirroring life coach, Larry Lou. And this is T3 Podcast, Transformation Through Truth. www.t3lifecoaching.org is how I can be reached if you need assistance being guided to that path or while you are on the path of transformation. I hope that you are making every day better than your last day, and I hope you are doing whatever it is that you want to do, because I'm trying to tell you time is flying. Time waits for no man. But let's get to it. Who's right and who's right is the name of this episode. When I was in college, I had a friend that I played Monopoly with um, regularly. He had worked at the front desk. So, you know, you, you come into the dorms and the front desk is where you kind of check in, show your ID if you stay there or not, or if you're a visitor, things like that, right? So we used to stay up playing Monopoly sometime at three, four, five in the morning. This one particular night around two, three in the morning, we heard this big accident and so you know we stopped playing and we ran over to the window to see what was going on and we seen this car in the middle of an intersection right outside the lobby of the of the dorm hall so we go outside and we walk down the street or run down the street to try to see if we could give some type of assistance or just you know to see what's going on we're getting closer and closer to the car we see this body whose head is on the steering wheel. So the car, you know, the horn is just going off and it's a person's head on the steering wheel. So as we get closer and closer, you know, we yelling out, all right, hey, are you okay? Are you all right? You know, hey, hey, can you hear us? You know, we're just trying to see if this person is alive or not because the car was pretty messed up. It was a hit and run. It was pretty messed up. 
while we continue to try to get this person's attention, all of a sudden, the guy, and this turns out to be a young man, he kind of pulls his body back, but his, his head or neck is like stuck because he's like looking up at the sky. Okay, so it's in this fixed position and he's, you know, goes back and he's like, like he's sitting up and all this blood, you hear the gurgling and the blood starts coming out his mouth, starts coming out of his ears. It was a horrific sight, horrific. So, you know, we called 911, you know, they eventually came and took him to the hospital and this and that and other, you know, we were just telling him like, hold on, man, hold on, we go, we call him for help, hold on, you know, we're just trying to stay there and encourage him. That was, that was an experience. And maybe, I don't know, around a month later, this guy comes in and he was looking for me and my friend. And somehow, I mean, everybody kind of knew, you know, who we were because of the incident that happened. And, you know, people started coming outside and seeing what was going on. So they knew it was us who tried to help him. And it turned out that it was this guy's brother, and he just wanted to thank us for, you know, calling 911, trying to stay there and help his brother as the best that we could. And he ended up telling us that it was a hit and run. It was a truck that had hit him, and but they had caught the guy. And the reason that they caught the guy was because, so in Ohio, you have to have a license plate, not only on the back of the car, but also on the front. And when he hit this young man's car, like I said, the car was messed up. It looked like a truck hit it, something bigger than a car. The license plate in the front came off of the truck. And so that's how they end up catching the guy. So his, you know, the, the young man who eventually died, he did end up dying. You know, his brother just wanted to come and, and, and thank us for what it is that we were trying to do. So that was an interesting experience. So fast forward about maybe a month or several months to a year later. My friend who I was playing Monopoly with went on a 10 hour drive to Boston where he and uh, a couple of our other friends attended a funeral for one of our friends that had died when he went home. On the way back from the funeral, my friend who was driving, he fell asleep at the wheel of the minivan that they had rented. And the van went over the side of a bridge. Everyone survived except this woman who just happened to not be wearing her seatbelt at the time. They say what well, the story goes, like it went over the bridge and I guess everybody was kind of knocked out for a minute. I can't remember how long, but you know, they came to and they were dangling. People had broken hips and legs and they had all to go to the hospital. But the young lady who died, she went through the windshield. My point is who who knows what kind of people they were? Was the boy who got hit by a truck a good person? 
Was he a bad person? Was my friend who accidentally fell asleep at the wheel, is he a good person? Those that really knew them might say that they were good people and others that knew them may say that they did some things that made them bad people and they got what was coming to them or else it wouldn't have happened. Some people would would say that. Some people really believe that. And after my other friends got out of the hospital, you know, they got back to the school, there was talk about suing my friend who was driving because there were some that said he had committed murder for all he had to do was pull over and let someone else drive. He could have just said, yo, I'm getting tired. Can somebody else take the wheel? You know, it sounds very simple. My brother seen him like 10 years after that incident. And I remember me and my brother talking and he told me, he said he asked him about it. And the guy that I played Monopoly with who was driving the minivan had told him 10 years after the fact that he was just getting around to feeling better about himself because the guilt had been eating him alive, is what he said. When I was diagnosed, an older woman that I work with told me to my face that if I had not been doing the things that I was not supposed to be doing, whatever that was, because it ain't like she knew me. She didn't come to the house. We just seen each other at work. We never talked about personal things, but whatever I was doing that I wasn't supposed to be doing, I would have never been diagnosed with my illness, according to her. So it got me to thinking, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, is she right? I did not think she was. But if I am being honest, who really can say? Did I do this to myself? The realest answer I can give is I do not know. Some people smoke cigarettes their whole lives and never get cancer. Others can smoke for 10 years and get it. And then there are others who contract cancer from secondhand smoke. They not even smoking directly so to speak, and can get cancer. And this person who can smoke his whole life, her whole life, never get it. It also started me to thinking about who is good and who is so-called quote-unquote bad. In other words, who is moral and who is not. Are the, the man and the woman who leave the house with no intent on cheating on their spouse, but does cheat a bad or evil person, is the granddaughter that is taking care of her grandparents because they cannot take care of themselves a good person. Most of us would probably say that she is a good person for taking care of her grandparents while the cheater is not moral. So what if I told you that the granddaughter is only doing it to get her inheritance. If they didn't have anything to give her, she would be nowhere to be found. Is she still a good person? 
Which is more important, the act or the intent? I am not going to sit here and tell you which one I believe to be better. Agape, the love that passes all understanding, does what should be done and not what it wants to do. So the heart of a person might not be fully present when a person is performing a certain act, but the act is still taking place. If we get down to the brass tacks, 90% of what we do is done out of fear and not out of love. I am going to talk more on this when we get into the Enneagram, which tells us what passion we are driven by. Most of us have come to know the nine passions as the seven deadly sins, but they were not called that initially. Getting back to the granddaughter. The granddaughter, as much as I hate to admit it, may need that money so that she can go back to school so she can stop living paycheck to paycheck. Do I agree with it? No. But I do understand fear. And how is a man or a woman that intends, the key word here is intends, to go out and sleep with someone other than their mate, put in the same category as the man or woman who just falls weak to temptation? Again, the key word here is Intend. One intends to do this. Wake up in the morning. It's on their mind. It's in their heart. This is what they're going to do. The other person wakes up thinking that they just might go to work, thinking that they just might go on vacation with with the girls and have a good time. Think that they just might go to the grocery store and come back home. Never intending to meet someone, let alone sleep with someone, developing a a relationship that causes them to, again, fall to temptation. Some would say, well, they shouldn't even have developed a relationship. And maybe that's true in a perfect world. But no one, not everybody, I should say, goes into a relationship or starting a new relationship thinking that it's going to end in two people sleeping together where if that wasn't the intent. So again, the key word is intend. Is the man or woman that intends to go out and sleep with someone other than their mate put in the same category as the man or woman who just falls weak to temptation? So essentially, in my opinion, there is good and bad in each one of us. So one person cannot be all good or all bad. The only logical explanation I can see is that there are no moral individuals, only moral thoughts and or actions. To say a person is moral gives the perception of a person being completely free of any wrongdoing, whether they intended it or not. I remember when I was with my son's mother and we were going through a 
a rough patch and I came home from work. I used to work second shift. Came home from work and she wasn't there. She had left. I think she went to go clear her head, you know, clear her thoughts, whatever the case may be. I didn't know where she had went. So I'm in the house all by myself and there was a young lady who I had told her I was married, told her that I was happy. You know, I was lying to her. I wasn't, but she said, I I don't believe you. And she used to bother me and, you know, mess with me while we was at work. And we, we did develop, you know, a friendship. And she was attractive, but I never intended on pursuing her. It was just something that we did at work. But when I came home and my son's mother wasn't there, I ended up calling her and and kind of venting to her, you know, that my wife was, uh, that my son's mother was gone and all this, all this kind of stuff, you know, which was the wrong thing to do. I wasn't mature enough to handle talking about issues with someone and not falling prey to the captor. You understand what I'm saying? Um, I wasn't in the mindset to know that she was plotting the whole time. But anyway, I go over there. Cause she's like, why don't you just come over here and, you know, just relax and get your mind off of, you know, she's saying all the right stuff. And I'm like, okay. I go over there. When I get over there, as soon as I walk through the door, candles lit, steak, potatoes, and I think it was a salad, or no, it was a baked potato. It might have been a salad, but it was steak. And listen, it was all all the good fixings, right? And so when when I when I got there, that's what it was. To top it off. I get through eating, she had ran me some bath water, told me to get in the bath, go ahead and get in the tub and just relax. So, of course, you know, I'm like, man, all this pampering, and I was, I, I, it, it was, it was over before it even started. It really was, because this is what I was hungering for from my, from my son's mother that I wasn't getting, and so I get in the tub. She's not in there at first, and then she comes in there, and she just starts to washing me up, you know. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just in heaven. I get out. She drives me off and all this kind of stuff, you know. I get in the bed. She's massaging me and all this kind of stuff, you know. And the, you, you all know how it, how it ended. So I never intended on that to happen. I didn't. Some will say you could have stopped at any moment. That's true. But what I can just tell you is that my mindset at that time, I felt like I wasn't in control of my own body. I was going off of the pure gratification of what it is that I was feeling. I should have never went over there. But at that time, I wasn't that smart. I'll just say that. So my son's mother never... My son's mother never believed that that wasn't my intent. And some of that is my fault because if you listen to one of the past episodes, 
I didn't think that I was really wrong because of what she wasn't giving me. So I demanded that she apologize to me. <laughs> if you can believe that. So, again, I never intended it to happen, you know, but it did. We judge on what things appear to be on the outside. And if we only go off that logic of judging on the outer appearance of things, we would be wrong. And, it's, and it is precisely the judgment of others that set standards that others find impossible to live up to. So what's puzzling to me is that if if no one is perfect, good or bad, but we're all just trying to figure it out, who has the right to judge another inside the law? And when I mean inside the law, we're not talking about anything that's breaking the law. That's a whole nother monster that we're not talking about. But if no one's breaking any laws, who has the right? To judge. But judging is what we do. And let me explain. What it leads to. It separates. Judging separates. It severs the empathy. That one would have for another. We no longer can relate. To each other. We no longer can share ourselves. With each other. Our thoughts. And our feelings. At the extreme we become cut off from the world feeling rejected we become alienated and find ourselves trying to feel good but without healthy relationships this can lead to drugs sex for the body but no love for the mind and cutting because we as humans as human beings must and will seek out pleasure even if we can't find that pleasure in human relationships. This is what we will do because we are programmed to run towards pleasure and run away from pain. And we will try to find that pleasure, feel that pleasure in any way possible by any means necessary. This is how we are made up, how we are built. And it's something worse than separation because what separation leads to, and I'm not going to go in it today, is shame. When shame overtakes you, overwhelms you, there is no telling, none at all, the depths of hell that you are willing to participate in. But before I go, I want to leave you with this. Every time I think about someone judging someone, I automatically think about David in, in, in the Bible. I know some of you who know of David, like they always say, you know, God loved David. I mean, he just loved him, even though people say he was a um, thief and adulterer and murderer and all this kind of stuff. Right. But they say God loved him. Anyway, it always comes to my mind because the parable that Nathan spoke to him is very powerful to me. So the, 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 the prophet Nathan comes to David, and I'm just going, going to paraphrase, comes to David and tells David that it, there was a rich man 
and a poor man. This rich man had a flock of sheep, you know, more than the eye could count. The poor man, he had this one little lamb. That's it. The stranger comes into this city looking, I guess, for a meal. He stops at the rich man's establishment. And the rich man steals the poor man's only lamb and gives it to this traveler. The rich man had all that he can pick from, but he chose not to. And Nathan tells David about this lamb, this 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 wee little lamb of this poor man, how it ate with the poor man, how it slept with the poor man, how it shared the poor man's table and how the lamb was like a daughter. Part of the family to this poor man. And so when David heard this parable, David immediately said this man must die. He said he needs to be killed. And, and he needs to, 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 to pay a fine. So he was probably so angry, he talking about killing man and then have him pay a fine. I don't know how a dead man pays a fine. Maybe you can, you know, get his property if he has some or whatever, but he was livid to say the least. After he finishes casting judgment on himself, Nathan says, David, you are that man. David, he thought about it, and he said, and the scriptures just say he bust into tears. But back in that day, if the king decreed something, that was it. So technically, David cast judgment upon himself. David should have died. But again, when David found out what Nathan was trying to tell him, David realized that it, it was him and he repented. But the, the thing that gets me even more is that when Nathan starts telling him, Nathan was telling him a whole bunch of things, but this is what really caught my eye. Nathan is saying, I, I gave you the crown. I gave you this. I gave you many wives. I I saved you from your enemies. It's just running it down to him. And, and, and Nathan says, and if that had not been enough, if that had been too little, ask of me what you will and I would have given it to you. Elevation is in order, people. This is Larry Lou. Peace.